Welcome back to the Starbase Indie Podcast, where we talk to and about people who are inspired by Star Trek or science fiction to work towards hopeful futures in the real world. Uh, my name is Paul Aller. I'm a comics writer, uh, editor, and teacher living here in Indianapolis. How did you get started writing comics? Um, I actually kind of started writing and reading comics at the same time. I didn't start reading comics until I was like 28, and I kind of latched onto it as a, a medium that I felt like I could do well in. So I started just writing short scripts. I took a class through Comics Experience, where I'm now teaching the class that I took 12 years ago, and um, started with artists to put some short comics together, uh, made like a little one writer anthology from that and sent that out to editors. Got a couple jobs. Um, I was very lucky early on to get like a work writing G.I. Joe and Ninja Turtles and a couple other things. And just very slowly built it up since then. Since then I've written for, yeah, I've written for like Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joe, um, Power Rangers, Marvel, Clue, Samurai Jack, just a whole host of really awesome licensed comics as well as my own creator-owned work books like um, Hollow Heart and Tet, Monster Mechanica and Past Last Mountain and others. So what was it about comics when you started reading them that made them seem like something you could write? Boy, I don't remember. <laughs> it's probably the honest answer. No, no, no. I think I liked the um I like the combination of words and still images and how much reader participation is required that like really um readers really have to be fairly engaged in in helping construct the story and 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 seeing what happens in between the panels. Um and there's a lot of really interesting things you can do with that, with the, the juxtaposition of those two elements uh, in interesting ways that's a little different from any other any other medium out there. It really is, yeah. Yeah. What sort of stories captured your imagination when you were a kid? Ooh, that's a good one. I think things that like were painted on a very broad canvas tended to be things that I really gravitated toward. Um, I was a huge Star Trek fan, um, and that obviously... And I was a Masters of the Universe fan, and I was like much younger than that, and just the the wide variety of different characters, and they all had their own little backstories, and just all that stuff really kind of ignited my brain, and um, I've always liked really huge, immersive universes like that. But then I also, like, I read a lot of literary fiction as, like, not like a, when I was playing with Masters of the Universe, but, like, in middle school and high school, I read a lot more Um more literary stuff um, as well as genre stuff. And I think that I kind of balance those two in my work these days. That makes sense. What's your favorite universe to write in so far? <laughs> I really liked G.I. Joe because that's the only one where like um, they let us set up an existing continuity, me and the, the editor and the artists and colorists and um, the folks at Hasbro as well. We worked together to, um, to use the existing characters and the existing ideas, but also create a continuity that was brand new and did some things that did, were very different than anything G.A. Joe had done previously. So I guess it's kind of a cheat to say like the one I enjoyed writing in the most is the one that I got to have a big hand in making. Um, that does sound yeah. like a cheat. That just sounds like, <laughs> hey, you know, you like your own work. That that seems kind of basic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the creator own stuff is very... Um, is obviously very creatively nourishing. It's a, it's extremely different muscle than a lot of the licensed stuff where you're, you know, you're coming in and you're working in someone else's um, sandbox and following their rules, which can be really creatively invigorating um, in a different way than, than creator-owned work where it's just whatever you and your collaborators want to do. Do you have a favorite character? That I've written or in general? 
just in general? Oh boy. Um, not off the top of my head, no. But this is this is far from my favorite character. But I will say that I had in my room in childhood, like in middle school, gig. They made a middle school shop class a clock. We had to um, we had an assignment to make a clock, and we had, we had to buy a poster and like apply the poster to like glue it onto the wood, and then put the mount the clock face in it so that you know and everyone else in the class their posters were all like sports cars and bikini models and my clock poster was quirk from star trek deep space nine and that, <laughs> and that hung in my room for years and i saw it in my mom's garage like last year and it was it was <laughs> not looking like it has not aged well um, and it was like oh old friend <laughs> yeah do you have a favorite character that you have written out of your own creative stuff? Ah, that's a that's a good one. Um, I think it's whoever I've written last because, like, my the first thing I was going to say was um, Sonia Crash, the main character in Sister Crash, which is a book that just ran in backups to um, an Image Comics book called Radiant Red. Um, but I think that's largely because I just I just wrote that very recently. <laughs> so yeah, I think that answer depends on who I've written most recently. That makes sense. Yeah. Are there are there writers who shaped your work? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's a huge question. I mean, there there are just so many. Um, and again, like it, it ranges from from comics writers like Garth Ennis is a big uh, influence on me. His his war stuff to um, you know prose prose writers. I'm a huge fan of Patricia Highsmith and and Patchett. I really love. I read a lot of John Updike when I was a kid, which is like you know, as they say, your your fave is problematic, and John Updike more than <laughs> more than most, I would say, like probably not something. I probably should not have been reading Rabbit Run when I was fourteen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but uh, yeah, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, I mean, the list just goes on and on. And then uh, I'm also influenced a lot by poetry. Uh, C.K. Williams, I'm a huge fan of. Um, I think that. Uh, in Hollow Heart, especially one of my recent creator-owned books, a lot of the narration was was kind of had a very heavy C.K. Williams influence to it in the way it sort of unfolded in the meter and the that's a very a very flattering comparison I'm giving myself, but I, I tried at least. I think I think that influence was coming in even if I didn't like you know. No, no, it did strike me when I read Hollow Heart. I feel the influence of the poetry in it. I don't know the poet you're talking about, but it felt that I've, that metered thing really does come through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 quite obvious in just the way it's the the captions are written, where I like I break them off in in, in midline the way the way poetry works. Um, the original idea was that I wanted all of the all of the captions in there to to flow like poetry, and I don't know. Um, practical considerations kind of crept in as it always does when you're writing, but that was the uh, the intent, and I think it, we maintained it fairly well. I would agree. What are you reading now? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this thing happens when you get busy. Totally fair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of short fiction lately because of that. I'm reading a lot of short, like weird fiction and, and, and folk horror because of some stuff I want to do. Uh, I tend to these days read a lot um, based on whatever I'm working on for like research or inspiration or or that kind of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. So for some of your work, that universe is really well established, like G.I. Joe and Star Trek and mm -hmm. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But when you're writing in an, exist in an established universe, how do you make sure your work fits with the existing canon? 
Yeah, in in large part, that's what editors and licensors are for. Um, and some of them are a lot more. Um, I don't think persnickety is the right word. So let's say vigilant. A lot, of them are, <laughs> a lot of them are much more vigilant than others about uh, making sure you preserve that. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just the being being familiar with it and you know spending a lot of time with the with the universe with the characters and and also like you know because all of these big universes have their like wiki sites those are just such a huge boon these days as well if you have any questions or anything to figure out but yeah a lot of it so you do you do all that you do your best and then sometimes you just have to email your editor and be like you know hey did, what's happening with this character is this you know what's what's going on here so yeah um yes so you talked about in G.I. Joe, you got to start a new continuity and have the character, existing character, do things that hadn't done before. So how, do you, how did you go about finding the balance between fitting in with the existing canon and then being able to expand that canon, do something new with it? Well, in that case, like because there was a new continuity, we didn't have to worry about the existing canon. Um... Like we, there, there, there was no, there, there were no pre-existing stories that existed in our universe. Um, but there was still a universe you had to fit within, I imagine. No, I mean it's. Oh, okay. We we may be using different words, but no, like it was it was a brand new universe um, that was starting from scratch, just with characters that had existed in this previous universe. These were characters that had existed in different forms in other places, and so there was a lot of you know concerned about being true to the characters so you have to balance that in terms of and like kind of make sure you still have the core of the character even if you're giving them like a different backstory or in some cases like a different ethnicity or you know cultural background um but they still at their core were the the, the people that the the readers knew and loved and also doing that is fun because i was able to like take elements from a lot of different continuities that there had been in the past and sort of mix and match them and scramble them up and present something new Okay, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this because it's certainly got spoilers in it. But okay. how do you go into a brand new universe in a in a a, a, a property like GI Joe? Did they like go through a portal or like how does that work? No, I mean it's just it's just a new continuity. It's like so I it's guess like, I don't know I don't okay, know that okay, word okay. in the in the context okay. of comics. Okay, it's like when you have. Um... Marvel comics, which have existed since the 30s, and that has like a long sprawling continuity. Then when they started making the movies, that was a new universe with those same characters. It's like starting with Iron Man. Like like they didn't have to worry about like anything that had happened in the comics or any other. Just like they, they were just starting a new thing from scratch, the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the same characters. So it's just, it's just like that, only it's a comic book. That okay, makes yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I guess because comics, like, is it's so common to have different continuities. And even, like, I use Marvel Comics as an example. Even within Marvel Comics, they've had, like, multiple different continuities that have nothing to do with each other over, you know, over the, the decades. So, like, it's it's interesting to me, like, to, to not be familiar with that because it's so, like, ingrained in, in, in the medium that I work in. That makes sense. Like, you know, I'm I, not much of a comics person. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. And it can be very confusing, I mean, because of that. Like, so, you know, you're like, this This is a Superman book that's about a, a different Superman than this Superman book over here. Um, so they're, they're both Clark Kent. They both, you know, came from Krypton and crash landed in Kansas and were raised by Mom, Pa Kent. But they're completely different characters in different universes. So have fun figuring it out, kids. 
That makes it interesting. And comic books are such a different style of reading is what I have found. I don't know if that's true for everyone, but the difference between reading a comic book and reading prose Mm -hmm. feels pretty big to me. It is, yeah, yeah. I think a big part of it is, is like like the the level of reader interaction is different, and um, and there is the element of like you know paying attention to the art because it is a- absolutely a huge part of the storytelling. And I found that a lot of people who, who tend to to only be prose readers when they first start reading comics, they just like will not look at the art. <laughs> They'll just like I've. I, I've seen friends of mine like read a comic for the first time, and it's it's very clear that they're just going from like balloon to balloon, caption to caption, and like not even looking at the art. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. That's that's not how that is supposed to work. But I'm not gonna like you know wag my finger at you and be like, you're reading comics wrong. You know what I mean? So, and because like you'll you'll figure it out, or 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 you just will think, well, this wasn't very good because you are only getting half the story. So. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's i mean it, doing that is basically it's the equivalent of like of like watching watching tv with a blindfold on absolutely it, yeah it just feels very very different yeah so you have created queer characters in a lot of your works sometimes being the first canon representation of queerness so mm-hmm. what sort of fan reactions have you gotten to those storylines i mean mostly wonderful yeah. i won't say entirely um you know because we all know what world we're living in <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> but it's been overwhelmingly supportive and wonderful and i think most people just want good characters and a good story and they want and they want representation um and i think even like and i mean obviously queer people want representation but i think most straight people want queer representation in their fiction as well um and those who don't are the ones you kind of get into, into problems with but um you know i i think i've been doing it long enough that i pretty much just just ignore that it makes for a richer world, right? Yeah. A little bit more realistic too. Yeah, I mean the weird the weird question you get a lot is like is like, you know, what's what's the purpose of have, of having this character be queer? And it's like the purpose is that there are queer people in the world. Like I don't, I don't I don't understand that question. And I also don't understand that like it has to happen in an organic way. Because like if you met a a, a, a gay person in your neighborhood, you wouldn't be like did you come to this neighborhood organically? It seems weird that all of a sudden there's a gay person in the neighborhood. Like, I, I need to understand how this happened and how it like fits organically into the story of this neighborhood. No, it's a it's just a human being. It's a person. So, I, I I get frustrated by those those attitudes. Yeah, it's almost like the they haven't seen these char- these types of characters before, and then they're like, "Well, this is weird. Well, I don't understand. It's it's no, it's the world. You're just in a bubble." Yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm I'm not a bigot. I just don't believe these people should exist <laughs> in this in this fictional world. It's like, okay, okay, <laughs> I won't I won't contradict you aloud because I've gotten in trouble doing that before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so how does your process change when you're working with your own original characters? Um, it's just a, a greater level of freedom. Um, usually with licensed work, they, they'll give me at least some idea of like what they want the plot to be or they, where they want it to, to go. Like not always, like I think with some examples like Clue and Samurai Jack, it was pretty much just, you have a good Clue story, you have a good Samurai Jack story, but in other ones um 
especially if there are like there's existing continuity and there are other books being written about them they'll be like you know do you want to do a story where the turtles um by the end of it have reached this point which will then set up the next story that we that we want to do um or the the star trek issue that i wrote it was very much you know do you want to do do you want to do voyager in the parallel universe because that hasn't really been explored before um and they had some sort of ideas and restrictions and how that would work um whereas yeah with, with my with my uh, creator own stuff like i'm still i'm working with my the artists and colorists my my collaborators and partners so we're building it together but we have much greater freedom to just break the story the way we want do what we want and just um go in in our own direction so comic book writer is one of the sort of fairy tale jobs that everyone wishes they had um or that a chunk of people think is very glamorous and exciting what do people get wrong about the idea of writing comic books the idea that's very glamorous and exciting (laughs) 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 no i mean it's 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 a job i i i i want to be careful saying this because i'm so lucky to have this job and and i love it so much but you know anything that you do most of your day for pay with a boss <laughs> does become a job no matter how great it is so it, it it is it is a weird thing where um where you know i'm i'm, I'm like getting feedback on a ninja, a teenage mutant ninja turtle script that i wrote and and it feels like work <laughs> you know what i mean and so you you kind of do have to catch yourself uh sometimes but no it's um the comics industry is is um it has its issues like every industry um it's not something you want to go into if you if <laughs> being wealthy is a big concern of yours <laughs> put it that way um and and it can be very um it can be very frustrating. A lot of setbacks, a lot of, um, a lot of it can feel very capricious. There's not like a straight, like, like, I mean, like any, any creative field, there's not a straight line career wise. Like there is, if you're, you know, an accountant or a lawyer, or even like a, a chef, I guess, like, I don't know that, that much about being a chef. So I shouldn't say that or about being a lawyer or an accountant. I could be completely wrong, but I feel like uh, a lot of, a lot of other professions, there's like, a path that you follow and the path has been laid out for you and has been developed by like professional associations. And, you know, you, you, you do this and you do your job well, and you're, you're going along the path and you may not be as successful as you want to be, but like the path is clear. Whereas in comics it's like, people like to say like no one breaks into no two people break into comics the same way. Um, it's just completely different for everyone and everyone is just kind of like flailing along and you know trying to figure out how to how to carve out their piece of the industry and 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 make their way in so it's it's um it's difficult but it's also incredibly rewarding and i don't i don't want to sound like it isn't or i don't want to sound ungrateful because i'm incredibly lucky to be doing this instead of working in a cubicle or i guess these days i'd be working at home like i am now but you know what i mean (laughs) yes yeah absolutely yeah, it's very sort of uh, Stephen Pressfield, the war of art thing. You have to approach it professionally because it is a profession. And then yeah. that does get away from the sort of glamorous, oh, I'm just going to sit around and play with comic books all day. Right, right. But, you know, I mean, there are definitely also moments where it's just like, this is great, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So you also teach a class on comic production what pieces of the production process are most frequently a surprise to your students when they learn about them (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, I teach classes in comics writing, um, and we we talk about the whole production chain uh, as part of that because a lot of times, especially in like independent comics, um, the writer tends to be sort of the production chief for the whole thing. It's kind of like the role that they're just thrust into. Um, uh, something about it that surprises people. Um, I think uh, the the honestly, when we get into the numbers of like, especially independent comics, we get into the numbers of like how much it costs to like hire artists and to print them versus like how much you're gonna be making back that tends to be a big a big wake-up call for a lot of people there are a lot of people who are doing well with their like independent and self-published comics but for a lot of other people it's something that they're basically sinking money into in the hopes of building something down the road i know that's definitely the case that was the case for me in my early self-published comics where i like knew going in i wasn't going to be making a profit on them i didn't expect to lose as much money as i did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um <laughs> but I, I i knew that it was an investment to to try to build things up and get and get more work and um yeah i think also a lot of writers tend to like undervalue before they've done it uh undervalue what they're what the artists and colorists and letterers bring to the table they think of them as like um employees rather than partners uh, which is a really bad way to to think about it because again again like that that is as much part of the storytelling as the as the writing and the closer you work together as partners rather than as you know different functions in in, in a business um the the more effective you're going to be it's probably more fun that way too it is a lot more fun that way yes yes it is you also offer professional advice to workshop members at the comics experience so what is the most frequent piece of advice you give someone trying to break into comics hmm I tend to like respond to their questions mostly. Um, and I think the question that we tend to get the most is like, how do I find an artist? And that's a very long and complex question, but most of it just these days it boils down to like social media. Like even when I was starting doing this, social media like existed. I'm not, you know, I haven't been doing it that long, but you, you couldn't like find so many comics artists, you know, at, on like Twitter or I think it was like the MySpace era back then, but um, so th- there were a lot more like forum boards and websites you had to go to. Whereas these days, you can just get on like Twitter and Instagram and like you know find comics artists there and just talk to them, network with them, go to go to comic book uh, conventions and meet people there. And just the big thing is to like treat it like building a relationship. Don't treat it like go up to someone and be like, want to make comic together? You know what I mean? Just get to know people and then and then go from there. You have just been announced, as we're recording this, you've just been announced as the winner of the Indiana Author Awards in the genre category for Hollow Heart. Congratulations. Thank you. I don't think this is the first award you've gotten, but for this one, what does it mean to you to get this award? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, the fact that it's a, it's a, a, a regional award here in Indiana is, is, is incredibly cool. Um, and also the fact that it's a literary award that like all the other shortlisted books were prose and that doesn't tend to happen with comics, you know, like uh, comics don't tend to often go head to head with um, with prose books for these kinds of things. So the fact that I not only got shortlisted, but won it is just honestly kind of gobsmacks me uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of it and incredibly happy that that um, that they that they were I don't want to say willing, but you know, I mean, I, I think I think it reflects well on on Indiana Humanities that they were like, this is a comic book, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take it seriously as as a piece of literature and and take it, you know, treat it the same as all these other books. So I'm I'm really pleased about that and very proud of it. And the award itself just looks cool, so I'm I'm looking forward to getting it and being able to put it here in my apartment. 
That's cool. People, our listeners can't uh, see, but I see the Hollow Heart right. cover on your wall already. Yeah, yeah. I've got a, I've got a big poster, a big, big pink skull hanging on my wall, and two foot by three feet. So, yeah. So, what are you working on next? <laughs> Not much that's been announced. Um, I'm in that. I'm in that. <laughs> that I'm in that phase. Ah. Um, uh. I think the only thing that's really been announced is uh, I have a um, a Power Rangers one shot that is coming out. Maybe already came out. I'm not sure when you're posting this, but it's coming out October 31st, a week from today. Um, and it's about no, October 31st isn't a week from today. August 31st is a week from today. August 31st is what I meant. That's weird. okay. <laughs> Just, no, we're not that close to November. Stop it. <laughs> Wow, that's freaky. Um, <laughs> August thirty first, yes, is when it's coming out. A week from today, um, and it's a it's a, a double sized one shot about a new character called the Death Ranger, who got a lot of uh, press when it was announced because they're a a, a non binary villain, um, and should be a lot of a. Uh, it's, it's, I'm really proud of that of, of that book. Uh, it's a book about um, grief. Uh, and I wrote it in the immediate wake of my mom's passing. Um, it was, which is, I had not planned, but like she passed away um, at the end of last year. And then shortly, shortly thereafter, Boom Studios, who does the Power Rangers comic books, called me up and presented this opportunity to me. And as we got into talking about it, it became clear that they were looking for a book that was basically about a character dealing with the, the death of a loved one and their desire to bring them back and to, conquer death in general and i was like oh i don't know if i'm ready for that but um but i i, I dove in anyway and it was it was a, a brutal writing process it was just incredibly emotional and intense but um i'm i'm very proud of the result i imagine it's amazing having gone through that processing do you often process your emotions through the writing oh yeah yeah constantly i actually had a, a conversation with a friend of mine several years back who does a lot of like very um autobiographical or semi-autobiographical comics and he kind of like chided me he was like i I don't feel like i see enough of you in your in your work and i was like well you're nuts because like (laughs) i I think he was thinking from the standpoint of like because it's it's a lot of his genre work and takes place in like fantastical worlds and his characters are very different from me but like underneath that i feel like it's 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 incredibly um all my work is incredibly personal, um, and and if, if you've read a fair amount of my comics, then you you probably know me pretty well. So, have you been to very many conventions as a guest? Not recently. Yeah, I haven't been to a major convention since 2018, but uh, I used to, and hopefully next year or two I'll start going to them again. I have one coming up Thanksgiving. Yes, weekend. yes, you do. Um, yes. yes, I was. Yes. I, I would ask you what you like about Starbase Indy, but you haven't been yet. So yeah, we'll have to, this is my first time. Have, we'll have to do another interview next year, and then I'll be able to get an answer on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, where can people find your work online? My work, um, not online. We'll find you. you can, okay, well, you can find me on Twitter. Is probably the main place where I blab on the most. Um, it's just at Paul Aller, A L L O R. Uh, I'm on Instagram, but that's mostly photos of my dog. And I'm on Facebook, but I don't use it very much. So Twitter is kind of the main spot. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Starbase Indie Podcast. 
To find more information about our live event this November, check us out at starbaseindy.org or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. See you on the Starbase.